Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Those of you who are at the front, you can make your way to your seats, but we're going to proceed immediately to the Word of God. So if you'd remain standing with me. I have to ask something of you here tonight. There's sometimes almost a limit as to how much scripture you want to include in a message because you see the faces of the people in the congregation. And sometimes if you have a lot of scriptures rolling out one after another, people tend to kind of pull back just a little. In order to get through what we're doing tonight, I need your help with something. You don't have to read it out loud, but whenever the scripture goes up on the screens, read it with me because it's going to help you stay engaged in this because I believe this is something that God's been laying on my heart for a while, but I want us to get it. And to get it, we have to stay in the Word. So as we're reading these scriptures on the screen, don't just let me read for you. I want you to read along with me. I have a lot of questions about things in the Bible. I have a lot of questions about what took place between the lines. You know, there's the story that we don't get to read about, but we know there was more details. There was a lot more to Enoch's life, for instance. If God translated him and we know that he walked with God, that's kind of the extent of our knowledge about him. And one of the people that I wonder about a lot is Solomon. Because Solomon, with all the wisdom given from God, still fell. And he fell to something that could have been predictable. But what happened to Solomon somewhere, sometime? There's this scripture. I'm going to read these first few passages from 1 Chronicles chapter 22. And we're going to delve into the story of Solomon just a bit tonight. Starting in verse 6, then he called for his son Solomon. This is David calling for Solomon. And he charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the, the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Someone say forever. Going down to verse 14. Indeed. I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold and 1 million talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also. This is David telling him, "I've, I've got all of this ready for you. And you may add to them of gold and silver and bronze and iron. There is no limit. Arise and begin working and the Lord be with you. Tonight, if you'd help me, I'm going to speak on this subject tonight. Sword and sanctuary. Everybody say sword and sanctuary. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for standing with me. David began his life as a shepherd. As almost the son that was an afterthought because there were so many before them. And there's also speculation that David did not have the same mother as the brothers that came before him. The brothers that were actually called forward whenever it was time to anoint a new king of Israel. But with one act, one act of unbelievable courage beyond his years, David slew a giant. 
David's reputation with one act changed completely. He went from being a shepherd who was killing wild animals with nobody else around, a boy killing these animals with no one else around, to being the one that they sang about and they said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. David was a legend. David was a warrior. David was a king. David had his missteps, but David's legacy is that of a warrior and of a poet and after a man or being a man after God's own heart. This was David's legacy that he built. It's what we know him most for. This day, right now, as we speak, the nation of Israel is surrounded not by friends, but by enemies. The only reprieve they have is on the west at the Mediterranean Sea. But to the north, to the south, to the east, they are surrounded by enemies. The Middle East hates them. Northern Africa hates them. Most of Europe, when it comes down to it, hates them. They have poor relations with countries like China and Russia. They're not fond of them. They have enemies on every side. And if you look back, David's Israel was not that different from the present day Israel. It had a lot in common with it. As I'm taking in this story, it began because I was just randomly reading. You know, sometimes, it, sometimes you have a reading plan and sometimes you just open up the Bible and you're like, show me your will, Lord. And then it shows you something completely unrelated to anything for that very moment. But you're like, well, I guess I'll pick it up the next day. Well, I was reading through Second Chronicles and I just opened it up to chapter 5 in Second Chronicles. And verse 1 said this, So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in the things which his father David had dedicated. The silver, say silver, and the gold, and all the furnishings. And he put them in the treasuries of the house of God. He put them in the treasuries of the house of God. And one thing that I like about, you can see it on a, everybody reads the Bible differently these days. Some people write, read it on an app. Some people read it uh, on their computer screen. Some people read it from just an actual paper Bible. And the one, that I find that, that old-fashioned Bible, shall we say, I find it so much less distracting than all of the other versions because there's nothing else that can come in. And one thing that I love is at the bottom of these verses, sometimes they have the little tag, and it leads you to a corresponding verse that helps you continue the story in a way, if it wasn't there, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't find it. And so at the bottom of this verse, it connects you to a different scripture. In 2 Kings 7 and 51, So all the work that King Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was finished. Does it sound familiar yet? And Solomon brought in the things which his father had dedicated. The silver. <laughs> we got, thank you, Brother Brett. You're the only one that saved me there for a moment. The silver and the gold and the furnishings. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't even have to ask for that one. And he put them in the treasuries of the house of the Lord. Now I thought, well, that's interesting. It's just duplicating itself. And at the bottom of that scripture, it had another verse. And so you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 11. King David also dedicated these to the Lord along with the and that he had dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued. From Syria, and I want you to remember these names, from Syria, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, from the Amalek, and from the spoil of Hadadezer, and the son of Rehob, king of Zobah. 
And David made himself a name when he returned from killing 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. He also put garrisons in Edom. Throughout all Edom he put garrisons and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord preserved David wherever he went. This silver and this gold, if you will, it was blood money, so to speak. It was money that had been acquired in conquest from a king who in his battles took all of the nations that surrounded him and defeated them one by one. And he made himself a name. And everywhere that he went, in every rumor that was spread across the known world at that time, there was a name that they knew. That name was David, the king of Israel. The man who went from being a shepherd to ruling in righteousness. He made himself a name. Philistines in the west, Amalekites, Edomites, and Moabites in the south. You can see it on a map that we have of that time. Ammonites in the east, Aramites in the north, they were surrounded just as they are today, but one by one they fell at the sword of David and his armies and his mighty men. Their name was renowned over all of the earth. This silver and this gold that was in the temple, you can read about the temple and you can read about all the beautiful things that was in it, but this silver and this gold was different than the rest of it. Because you can read about the pillars and you can read about the Holy of Holies. You can read about all these different things. You can read about the temple of Solomon. We know that it was filled with cedar and with bronze and with silver and with gold. All of it was used in its construction. But Solomon waited those seven years as the job was being done. And he took this gold that he had saved. This gold that was part of what helped David make his name. And he put it in the treasuries because it was not for construction. It was because of a name. It carried the name that David had built. David fought for a temple that he could not build. And Solomon talks about it himself in 1 Kings 5. He says, you know how my father David could not build a house. For the name of the Lord is God because of the wars that were fought against him on every side. Until the Lord put his foe foes under the soles of his feet but now the lord my god has given me rest everybody say rest on every side he once had enemies on every side but now on every side he sees peace there is neither adversary nor evil occurrence solomon ruled in a time of peace as far as i could tell as far as i could find there was only one conquest that he had to his name only one time that he had to stir his armies and go and defeat somebody but he built this temple and in its treasuries were silver and gold that had a special purpose and served as a special reminder right now you sit in a temple a sanctuary of praise of prayer of power and of memories of lives that have been turned around from darkness into the light of our glorious God. But the treasures that funded it came out of the blessings of God given to warriors in the Holy Ghost and to their children and to their grandchildren. The funds for this temple 
came because somebody said it's worth the fight to build a house dedicated to God. And if you're thankful for the victories, for the warriors that came before us, would you just give God a little glory for his anointing and his will over those people? Do you feel persecuted being here today? Thank you, Pastor. Do you feel persecuted? And if, if your first instinct was to say, yes, I do a little bit, would you just kind of think things through just a little bit more, just think them through? He spoke this morning about the church in China. They can't all enter at the same time. They have to keep shades pulled shut. They can't let people know what they're doing. They have people standing guard and alarming them and saying if somebody is coming. So with that in mind, do you feel persecuted here tonight? We have a security team. Thank God for them. They're not guarding us against the government. Not yet. That's not why they're stationed throughout the church. That's not why they're there. They are there for unforeseen circumstances, for the radical occurrence the thing that is unbelievably unlikely but still they are there to help out just in case they're not there standing guard from the gov- for the government they're not doing that that's not the reason that they're stationed throughout they're here for a completely different reason so with that in mind do you feel persecuted tonight the apostolic church of north america has enjoyed a prolonged period of peace and security from every side The church is still growing. North American Youth Congress has over 35,000 people that fill into football stadiums and they worship unashamed, uninhibited, and unafraid because of this prolonged period of peace for the North American church. There was a time in which we were held in contempt. There are people who lost their relationships with their families because of this truth. It was not a prolonged period of peace. It was a time of uncertainty. We were ostracized. We were mocked. We were called names like holy rollers. But many of the churches that mocked us now emulate our worship, our prayer, and our passion because of this prolonged period of peace. We are living in an era of peace. And we are worshiping in temples dedicated to God. Temples that were built with the spoils of the battles of our mothers and fathers. We can trace it back and we can know that this is when they set out to fight battles that we don't even know if we were strong enough to fight. Pastor Dean talks about it this morning. I, I keep referencing it because it was a great message this morning, but he talks about Brother Barnes deep in the woods and you could hear him from far away praying in the Spirit and begging God for a move, praying and getting close to God. He fought battles in the spirit that were monumental in a time when peace did not exist. I have two grandfathers and grandmothers to thank because they fought battles that built a name. It built a name. I I used to kind of cringe a little bit whenever I would leave the house. And one of my parents might say something. They would say, remember your name. And the point was not, hey, because, hey, we're, we're, we're so incredibly special, so remember your last name. It wasn't that. They were saying, remember that you are a part of all of us, and we're all trying to accomplish something. Later, they told me they felt bad for saying it. Please don't feel bad. I'm glad you did it. 
remember your name. If I remember the name that we have on us here tonight, I have to go back and I have to remember the prayers, the intercession, the deep longing from people who said it doesn't matter what this costs me. I'm willing to fight the fight. You can trace back the name to the battles of the warriors in the spirit. Second Chronicles 22 says that David made abundant preparations before his death so that Solomon would have what he needed to build this temple. God made his plans for Solomon clear to David in 1 Chronicles 17. He said, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house and I will establish his throne forever. I will not take my mercy away from him the way that I took it away from Saul, your predecessor. So even as he fell, God said, I'm not going to tear this kingdom away from you. But after the third generation, I will rend it in two and ten tribes will form one nation and two will remain. Because I love Jerusalem and I care. He kept a promise. But there was a temple that had a story behind it and it had treasures hidden within it. That called back to a name that was made. A name that was known around the world. Solomon, like a lot of us, he reaped the rewards of those battles. He built a temple that if it was adjusted for today's currency, this temple is estimated to have cost $150 billion. $150 billion. Jerry Jones has nothing on it with his AT&T Stadium. That was only $1 billion. Great job. Fantastic. $150 billion. And if you read his dedication prayer to the temple in 1 Kings 8.22, which by the way is a great passage to read aloud if you're in prayer. 1 Kings 8.22, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you. We have this passage, passage etched into the walls, the sheetrock that's now been painted over in the current center in the back room. We encourage our students when it was being built, write something on these walls now, pray over these walls. And so we wrote some of this passage from 1 Kings 8 because it's so beautiful. But Solomon, Solomon with wisdom from God, Solomon with a heritage like no other, Solomon the son of the psalmist, Solomon the son of the greatest warrior that man had ever known. His story picks up again in 1 Kings 11 and 1. It's only three chapters later. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Verse 3, and he had 700 wives. Everybody say, whew princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David how do you go from Lord God of Israel there is no God in heaven above or earth below to turning your heart against that same God just three chapters later. 
he became distracted and he let his heart be turned. And beyond that, he built temples to other gods, to Ashtaroth of the Sidonians, to Milcom and Moloch of the Ammonites, to Chemosh of the Moabites. Temple after temple, his riches built for his wives. These temples to these gods. And if the names sound familiar, he built temples to the gods of the nations that his father had conquered because he got distracted. He built temples to the gods of the people his father had conquered. Imagine how Solomon must have felt as his money, he looks in the distance and he sees this temple going up to some strange god named Moloch. And he says, I remember the stories when my dad, as I was a little boy, would tell me, do you know the stories about my battles? Do you know the stories about the people that I conquered? They serve this God that is not like our God. They serve these gods that meant nothing. They serve these gods that we conquered one at a time. And all the world knows that our God is the one true God. And Solomon has to process these stories as he gets older. And as he looks at these temples that are going up, he weakened down. The dedication that he had, the resolve, and even the wisdom that was planted from God dissipated into thin air because he had a weakness that he could not subdue. And he built temples to these strange gods. David's hands were too bloody to build the temple. But Solomon's were too clean to know the cost. Our father slayed the giant of false doctrine. They conquered the ideologies of the ungodly. And they separated from the sinfulness of this world. And they made themselves a name. And one by one, these nations fell at their hands. And everybody said, have you heard of these people? These apostolics, they call themselves Pentecostals. And they're going back to the days of the book of Acts. And these kingdoms fell one at a time. And there was a name that was built by our fathers and our mothers. They made themselves a name. And that name is those who carry the name of Jesus Christ. I tell you right now in all sincerity and with great fear and trembling. Literally trembling. I would rather God strike me dead. Than to return to strange gods. And build temples to the rulers of this world. Because we have a heritage of people that came before us. And even if you're brand new in God and in this message, you had spiritual fathers and mothers who hit their knees and they said, God, it doesn't matter the cost. I'm willing to fight this fight and I'm willing to put my life at risk. Because they said one day they're going to build you a temple. One day there will be peace because every parent has it within their heart. What they desire most is that their children's lives are better than theirs. One day they're going to build God a temple. There is treasure in this temple and it's worth fighting for. Hear me please, I'm begging you. Do not build temples to the gods of old. 
Don't be so consumed with the entertainment of this world, with the opinions of celebrities on Twitter, with the passions of sports teams of every stripe, with material possessions, with fashion, with homes, with the keeping up with the Joneses, with the temporary pleasures of this world. Because one day it will dissolve and fade into nothing. But there will be one truth that remains. One God, one faith, one baptism. We're building a name. Keep hold of the name of our fathers. We don't even have time to study the battles to show some confidence in the word of God and with boldness to say, here it is. There's one God. His name is Jesus and he is worth any cost and he wants you to be baptized in his precious name and he wants to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Those were the battles that they fought for us. There's treasure in this temple. And it's worth guarding. It is worth remembering. And it is worth pulling out and saying, look, don't hoard it away in the treasuries where it can be forgotten with time. It is worth going back to and saying, this is why we fight. I I became obsessed with that one scripture. It's been about a two, two and a half week process. I became obsessed with that one scripture. And I was saying, I've got to find out what happened to that silver and gold. I I wanted to know what happened to it. Because you read about the temple, you read about the pillars, you read about the gates, you read about everything. You You read about the windows. You read about all of it. But what happened to that silver and that gold? And I asked Pastor Dean and he, he remembered a different passage, but it wasn't that silver and that gold. And I saw, I called a friend, and I called another friend, and I asked a few other people. And everybody was like, you know, I don't know exactly what happened to that gold. Where did it go? The destruction of the temple is written about. You can find passages of Scripture. You can read about the bronze pillars being carried away. You can read about the candlesticks. But what about the silver and the gold and the treasuries of the temple? The silver and the gold with which David made himself a name, the silver and gold that held the heritage of the king that ruled in peace. I I couldn't find it for two weeks. And literally, ten minutes before I wrapped up preparing for this tonight, I accidentally stumbled across it. It happened during the time of Solomon's 17th great-grandson. Not the 17th great-grandson. The great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-
And I wondered then, well, where did it go from there? The answer is not incredibly satisfying, but it's telling. We never hear from it again. Because at that point, all it becomes is just silver and gold. Because they don't know the stories of what happened. They don't know about the battles. They don't have the connection. They don't have the lineage to go back and say, this was the battles that they fought for the name that we carry. They don't know that. It went to a foreign land and it was distributed. Maybe it was stored away in the king's quarter. I don't know where it went. I don't know what happened. All I know is that it was gone and it never came back. They had to build another temple, but it, was, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. They built another temple. But God looks down at this process, and you already know the plans that he had. Because he told David, this is what I want for your son. This is what I want to happen. His kingdom will be established forever. We know that. But God looks down at this, this church that was built with silver and with gold. They built another one. But God knew that it wouldn't last forever either. It was destroyed in the year 70 A.D. So God, knowing that it would not last, sent two men. They walked by the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold. I don't have it. They look back and they think that they found the house of Peter. Do you know this? Just recently, they think that they have discovered the house of Peter. And we always think of Peter as just a simple, humble fisherman. But when they found his home, they found a house of riches. They found a house of not just a simple fisherman, but of a businessman. They found, and it starts to make sense because Peter had the same personality as like a Steve Jobs type character. Just always punching through and being brash and outspoken. He seemed like somebody who would be successful. But one day this man comes walking by and he says, hey, follow me. See, there had already been a church that was built on silver and gold, and Peter had some of that silver and gold. He had that himself. But when God said, come on. So Peter was not joking. He wasn't lying to the man. He said, look, silver and gold, I used to have it. But I don't have it anymore. Because there's a new plan, and there's a new name, and there's a new story that I can tell you. He said, such as I have, give I thee. And you got to remember, it was, it was Peter that whenever Jesus said, who am I? Peter, as he says this and as he tries to lift up this broken man who had a desperate need from God. I just like to think that maybe his mind flashed back and he remembers all the riches and the gold and the business that he had. He remembers all of that, but then he remembers a conversation that when he said, who am I? He said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are Jesus. You are the Son of God. And he just starts spilling it out. And I can imagine the look on Jesus' face as there was one disciple who got it. So the name that was built... In the name of Jesus Christ 
of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. There's treasure in this temple. And this treasure is the apostolic message is that there's one God. His name is Jesus. He wants you to be baptized in that only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. And not only that, he wants you separated from this world. Solomon could only stay separated for so long if you'd stand with me across this place and start making your way to the front. We are going to call upon the name of our fathers and our mothers, those who came before us and fought battles during a time of insecurity and worry and enemies on every single side. We walk in here during a time of peace. But if there's a treasure in this house, I want to call back to it right now. And I want to thank God from the bottom of my heart and say, God, help me to protect this name. Help me to protect this treasure. Help me, Father. Help me, God. Help me, God. There needs to be a wholesale rejection of the world that floods this place. We cannot be a church that flirts dangerously close to their concepts, their principles, their ideas of what is good, of what is holy, of what is proper, and of what is right. We need a wholesale rejection of every philosophy of the enemy that tries to sink its teeth into all of us from the young to the old. want to say one more thing if you read back and you read about the talents or you read about all the wealth that Solomon had accrued if you read about everything that he brought in you will see that he had a certain number of gold talents that came in every single year do you know the number we have any biblical scholars out there that knows that number brother Bubba's 666 When Solomon relied upon the principles of man because it is the number of man. When he relied upon the principles of men, he fell and he forsook the name that was stored in the treasuries. There needs to be a wholesale rejection of this world and all of its principles from the bottom of our hearts. Would you just lift up your hands and begin to pray and to not just thank God, but say, Father, I reject it. Their message will not sink into my heart. It will not be part of who we are. It will not grasp my home. It will stay outside the gates because my house is a house dedicated to the Lord God Almighty. Father, we need your anointing and your spirit more than we've ever needed it before. Somebody lift up your voice to God. 
start to call out to God. Thank you for his presence. If you had a grandparent or great-grandparent who came into this message, would you raise your hand as high as you can get it and keep it up? If you had a parent that brought you into this message, would you raise your hand as high as you can and keep it up? If you had a friend, a neighbor, anybody, maybe somebody in this place that brought you into this message, would you raise your hand and keep it up? Brother Brandon, give me the name. Fourth generations. Lefty George was a warrior that raised up a name. Somebody else. Somebody else, Brother Ron. Caleb Hill. Brother Brett, five generations. He doesn't even know her name, and I wouldn't either. Someone else, someone else. She just came to church, and some, who prayed for you? Do you remember the first person that prayed for you? That's all right. Her brother got baptized in Jesus' name first. What happened to your hands? We're carrying a banner of people that came before us. We've got Floyd and Reva Leverton. And Bill and Mary Dean and only one of these four is still alive. But I don't know if she's watching, but Grancy. It's safe! It's safe! It's safe in the hands of the people who carry the name. Now, with that name raised up and that banner high, would you now raise your voice and raise your praise and with a heart filled with gratitude, call out and say, God, it's safe. It's safe. It's safe. Don't stop yet. Just call out somebody. Call out and say, God, help me. And put an anointing and a defensive posture in my spirit to say it's got to remain safe. This message has to stay safe.
Everybody worship together tonight. Don't leave without worshiping God for this truth. Don't leave without seeking the face of God for just a moment. Seeking for yourself, seeking for your family, seeking for the people that are coming after you. Oh, 